get ready for the journey of a lifetime. Omega Metroid is excited to launch a new series exclusive to our Patreon channel, The Great Metroid Area Ranking. Our mission is simple. We are going to rank every single area in the Metroid series two at a time. Join us on our Patreon as we delve into all the different locales across this amazing series and get in on the action by helping dictate what areas we rank next. The Great Metroid Area Ranking is available to all Omega Metroid tier patrons. Join us on this incredible adventure and help us decide for the final time which Metroid area is the greatest of them all. OmegaMetroid.com's Patreon is the home to the Great Metroid Area Ranking, ROM Hack Reviews, The Spateri Show, and so much more. Consider signing up today and see you next mission. Welcome to the Omega Metroid Podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. Andy Spateri alongside the returning, triumphant, graduated, Doominal Crossing. What's up, Doom? How you doing? Doing pretty good, my man. Hold up. Got to show the uh, the little graduation cap there. Yes. Yeah, congrats. I'm assuming that uh, listening to the last episode of Omega was not high on your priority list last week. But we gave you a little uh, nice little shout out and, and a congrats. So, uh, once again, face-to-face, congrats, buddy. You earned it. Yeah, thank you very much. I do have the Alien episode bookmarked. I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but, yeah, I really appreciate it. We uh, we did it, man. We survived the grind. We survived Ooh. the uh, the 31-plus page capstone paper, and it's uh, it's all over. We did it. <laughs> wild, wild stuff, man. And now uh, now you just got the, the real world now. <laughs> The, the yeah, grind yeah, they, the real, the real fun begins now, or, uh, or what, what is the Anakin says? This is where the fun begins. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me tell you something. I woke up today, went to go take a shower, cold water, and I was like, "What is happening?" And I found this is adult problems. I found out that my hot water tank or hot water uh, heater tank is kaput. So, oh uh, no! Yeah. I've had that happen before. That sucks. I know. I had had to do the uh, the five minute shiver kind of shower and, and get out of there as quick as I can. So. Yeah, and re- especially in Canada bombs, too, I would imagine. You know what? It's actually like disgustingly hot right now. It's, oh, okay. It's crazy. Hot. In fact, okay. So this is for all of our our listeners. We're gonna get to what we're talking about today, but a little story time here. So Doom and I were just chatting before we got on, and I was telling him I had an eye appointment today, and I got my eyes dilated. And um, I, this is actually the second time in the last three weeks that I've had this done. And last time it was like raining, so I I got out, and it wasn't that bad. Uh, you know, it was cloudy and whatever. Today I get out and it's like bright and and monstrously sunny everywhere. So I'm just like walking around with my hands over my eyes, just like kind of like a, a gremlin almost. Uh, some some kind of creature. Anyways, it was it was a bad scene. Bad scene. That's this. That's disgusting, man. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny. So um, when I um when I got home. Um, last week, it was actually so hot that I actually voluntarily took a cold shower, yeah. and it actually was amazing because it was like, oh my gosh, it was like ninety eight, and um, and um, no one had turned on the AC, so it was just all the heat had built oh. built up 
um, in the specific location in the house because of the um, because of the height where it's located. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so tough. yeah, funny how that works out, right? Cold showers are good at, at like an afternoon, but like at first thing in the morning, it's it's a little bit tough because you're you know you're still clinging to that warmth of bed, of course. But uh, nevertheless, um, so yeah, it's been a few weeks. We we haven't got a, a chance to catch up, but I'm I'm really excited about today's episode actually because. Um, you know, for anybody that has been living under a rock, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom came out a few weeks ago. And, Small uh, indie release. Yeah. I, listen, I love Metroid and I love Zelda. They're they're my, like, two children here, okay? But, like, I've been, like, 100% going into this Tears of the Kingdom game. And I, I was, like, I felt a little bit bad because I... I was like, okay, like, what do we what do we want to do on the Metroid side? And all I could think about was playing more Tears of the Kingdom. So, instead of of just kind of half-assing it through a show, I was like, how can we talk about Tears of the Kingdom but with Metroid? And and I wanted to I wanted to almost pitch to you something today, Doom, an open world Metroid game. And um and we've kind of like dabbled around this concept in in episodes previous in in years past and talked about like could it work would it work what is open world is that antithetical to what a metroidvania is and and i was kind of on like team don't know if if open world would work and and i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie to you i'm i don't know if i'm off that team yet but like i do have some ideas for how an open world metroid game could work now would it be awesome that's debatable, but I, I'm going to pitch you on um, on that today, anyways. So I want to ask you two things, Doom. First, in very in very just brief uh, brief synopsis here, but t- how are you digging Tears of the Kingdom? Oh, it's it's wonderful so far. I'm absolutely loving it. I, I will say it took a little bit longer for me for it to click with me than it did with Breath of the Wild. I feel like Breath of the Wild, I, I was clicking with it. Fairly immediately, like after I started playing it, Tears of the Kingdom, it, it took a, took a couple hours for me. I wasn't really wasn't really quite getting in it first. Um, I felt a bit overwhelmed by all the new mechanics and kind of everything to do. But you know, as I started playing more to it and I started mm. adjusting to it bit by bit, I started getting into it more. And at this point now, it's absolutely uh, it sunk its teeth into me, and I'm you know I, I'm you know we're we're back. We are <laughs> so back now, you know. Um, it, I, it would take something done... monumental to dethrone this as like game of the year. Let me just tell you that. I don't think it can be done, <laughs> actually. And with all due respect to Metroid Prime Remastered, but I mean, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, nothing is going to dethrone Metroid. Metroid Prime Four probably won't even dethrone that for me. So, but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom. It's awesome so far. Uh, even though I'm nowhere near as creative as you know some of the stuff that other people online are building. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I just I just build really long bridges. Yeah. That's like the extent of my creativity. But I, um, even I so, saw somebody like, build a Metal Gear in yeah Metal in Gear Rex. Wild, which is which is amazing. <laughs> and there's there's people I mean crucifying these poor Koroks. Like it's a it's a tough scene in, <laughs> in Hyrule these days. Uh, so I, no, I I for honestly, reference. Uh, no, go uh, ahead. I was about to say no. If there's anyone that deserves to be crucified, it's not the Koroks. They're they're cool. They're they're cute. They're adorable. They're chill. It's that freaking um the 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 Rito kid. The one the one that becomes like your sidekick. What? That kid is so annoying. I hate him. Oh my god. I would I would <laughs> die for a little tool, and I love that little bird. Oh my god, he's the worst. Oh, he has. Stop. He has he has like the most whiny like whiny like 
semi-adolescent boy. Oh my gosh, I, I I hate it. Boo! I love that little kid. He's he's awesome. He and he's helpful too. Um, he is. He is very helpful. He's got a good skill set. Shameless plug, actually, over on the Zeldcast, we just talked about the Rito subplot, uh, the regional phenomenon. So uh, you can you can check that out if you want to uh, get some in-depth thoughts. So I right now am eighty-five hours into Tears of the Kingdom. I've got a hundred and four shrines. I've got about 50 of like the depth like shrines like the light roots and uh I've I think I'm mostly done with like most of the main quest except for actually fighting Ganondorf. Now I'm nowhere near 100% of the game of course, but uh I I've I've put some time into it for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I've so I've done the um the the Rito quest obviously. I've done I've done that and then after that I kind of just took a you know, I stopped doing the main quest, and I'm just kind of exploring the map and doing all the and doing a bunch of side quests, looking for shrines, um, doing the towers and all that. And I'm just kind of just kind of exploring the map at the moment, seeing what's seeing what's new, seeing what's yeah. the same. Uh, I do not like these uh, these new stone talus battle stations. I will say, I already hated the stone taluses from the uh, from the first game, and I, I hate them even more now in this game. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom devs for that, <laughs> dude. I will say that the the enemy variety, first of all, is like way way more diverse than in Breath of the Wild. But like the amount of enemies that just like whip your ass are, are oh my staggering. god, the gloom hands, the gloom hands are like right out of like uh, uh, a light. Of, oh my gosh, I can't remember my horror uh, my horror directors right now. Uh, it's it's a right right out of a right out of a nightmare though. <laughs> it, it was it was creepy. It reminded me of Dead Hands from Ocarina of Time actually. And oh, dude, yeah. so I was I was campaigning for years over on the Zelda cast. I was like, they should bring back like the original bosses from the NES games and just have them as like overworld bosses. So I, to steal a phrase from Dak, popped off when uh, when I saw Gleok in that first trailer, and and I I kind of was I was feeling brave, I was feeling uh, confident, uh, macho, and I was like, I'm gonna go and take down that Gleok. And I kid you not, this thing killed me in probably like three seconds three seconds and I was dead and it was so humbling and embarrassing. I actually, I think I could probably take one down now, but I haven't even stepped foot up to a Gleok yet. That was me taking out a, that was me going against my first Lionel back in breath of the wild. And I'm sure Lionel's are like not the least of my worries in this game. I'm sure there's way worse stuff out there. I haven't fought the, uh, I haven't fought those King Ghidorah dragons yet. The, the three headed dragons. That, that that's Gleok. Clearly... Yeah. Oh, that's oh. I was that's gonna say him. those are clearly in, those are clearly inspired by Godzilla. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah, the, it's. Uh, I want to say Gliok is the boss of level four dungeon in in Zelda. So I was I was kind of hoping that like Gliok would be there and Aquamentis and like Goma. Gliok is enough, so I I thought that it was super cool. But um, why don't we? I'll tell you what. I'm gonna pitch you my open world Zelda game. If we if, open world Zelda game, open world Metroid game. Uh, I've got Zelda on the brain. I'm going to picture my open world Metroid game. You can give me your thoughts and, uh, and we'll, we'll circle back to tears of the kingdom at the end. Um, so originally I had two questions for you. My second question, uh, besides how's it going with Zelda is what is, what is your stance on, I guess, open world metroid because like i wouldn't say like it's super super divisive in the community but like i i do think that there is merit to the people that say like i i don't think i want an open world metroid because it, it kind of goes against the principles and the foundations that the metroidvania genre is is really built on so what is your kind of uh what are your two cents on that 
Oh, I've always been I've always been a proponent of it. I think you could absolutely do an open world Metroid. I think you know, back in Breath of the Wild, I was thinking like you know maybe there's some elements of I don't want to I don't want to Breath of the Wild a Metroid game. I don't want to like make it a I don't want Metroid version of Breath of the Wild. But I think looking at Breath of the Wild and seeing you know how they were able to radically change the formula while also keeping just enough to keep it in that same mm-hmm. kind of domain. I feel like you could do something similar with Metroid. And on top of that, you know, there's other, you know, stuff like, you know, the the Batman Arkham series, you know, after Ar- Arkham Asylum, they went open world and, you know, they still were able to keep that same formula. And so I think it's, you know, I think that's clear that, you know, you have some examples of what you can do. Halo Infinite, even though I'm not a fan of that game, I think there's some really cool open world mechanics specifically with how the grapple beam is utilized mm. that i think could work in an open world metroid game and so you know looking at all the examples out there theoretically i think it could be done do i know the exact formula not necessarily and i and i don't want metroid prime to be open world either i or uh, or metroid prime 4 specifically i i should i should say but like in the future like once we have more powerful consoles and you know once you know metroid is you know a more regular series again and you know um and, you know, it's in a position where, you know, we can take more risks. Yeah, I, I think an open world game could absolutely work. Well, this is uh, this is my two cents on that, where, like I said, I, I was kind of like team a little bit on the fence about if I wanted an open world Metroid game or not. And, and I think I came to a few realizations that that kind of pushed me to like, yeah, I think we should do it. Um, and the first realization is that, I mean, Metroid Prime, when it came out, was already somewhat of like a departure from the established Metroid formula. Like, yes, it was still a Metroidvania, but like there were a lot of like very different elements about Metroid prime. And while I think that the change to open world would be more drastic than that, it's not like you haven't seen like a a big change in Metroid before uh, to that. Maybe not that extent, but like at least, you know, you saw it and it did take some fans a little while to get on board with that. Um, and then the second thing is, to your point, like, I, I think that when I play Breath of the Wild or when I play Tears of the Kingdom, I think that, um, specifically Tears of the Kingdom, I'm going to single out, I think it does, like, a really good job of, of getting Zelda into that open world, but, like, keeping the, the the core elements of what makes, like, a good Zelda game. And and I think that, like, yeah, there are some things that Tears of the Kingdom uh, maybe doesn't excel at like a like a traditional Zelda game would um but I think that if you were to I think if you were to just realize that you might need to make some concessions in order to do this open world Metroid game and then also realize too like there is a possibility that like this open world Metroid game could finally level up the series to to a new a new tier of you know let's just call it success Uh, maybe make it like a B series for Nintendo instead of like kind of a C series right like I think that that trade-off would would probably be worth it. So I kind of cooked up some thoughts and and notes and, and ideas about what I would, you know, kind of want my my open world Metroid game to be. And and uh, after after my points here, I want you to kind of interject and tell me if you you know thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side, something like that. So let's get it started. All right. So I I think that uh, what you said is paramount. I I think that Metroid Prime Four should just be Metroid Prime Four. Um, it should be, you know, Metroid Prime, again, is like a, a continuation uh, or a, its own brand at this point. And I think that there is room for both. Kind of like kind of like 2D Zelda and 3D Zelda. So I think Metroid Prime 4 should stay on its own thing. And my open world Metroid game would be a third person, like, 
action adventure game. I, I think that's how I do it. And unfortunately, the, the closest comparable to how it might look and control is Other M, Although we're not we're not gonna have a sideways Joy-Con and and you know be utilizing weird gimmicks to you know to control our our character, it's just gonna it, you know what it'll it'll look a lot like Breath of the Wild. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Other M, but it, you know you're playing with a normal controller. Yeah. Um, you can still uh you know you can still power bomb. You can still Batista bomb enemies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um. So. So I think that uh, an open world Metroid game, I think you do want to have it like with with a big scale, but I I don't think you want to go the Zelda route with with how big you want it to be. Um, if I were, I'm just gonna like pick something out of the sky here, but I I think my ideal size for an open world Metroid game would be a map that's maybe like half the size of Breath of the Wilds because I, I feel like you still do want some of that interconnectivity a little bit more. Uh, even even though, like, in this in this scenario, like, there's no more elevators, there's no more, like, hard divides between different areas. But I, I do think that you you want to compact it just a little bit because I think that's a strength of Metroid is, is like, how tight everything feels sometimes and the atmosphere and how claustrophobic it is. And maybe for anyone that's played Tears of the Kingdom, there's a really cool part where, like, you're down in the depths. Like, they could utilize something like that as, as well um, and make that kind of uh, a cool little cave system or something like that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you there. And also, because another thing is... I, I don't, I don't want to say unlike Zelda, because, like, obviously Zelda games, you know, are meant to be replayed, too. I've replayed Zelda games myself, but, like, you know, Metroid is spe- in particular is especially, like, you know, it's meant for replayability. It's about yes. honing your time. It's about, you know, it's about, you know, perfecting that route, you know? And, and obviously, you know, if Metroid was open world, obviously, you know, it would take a little bit longer than your average adventure, but I feel like it should still have some emphasis on replayability and about, you know, getting that perfect route down to make your way to the finish as fast as possible to increase Mm -hmm. that time. And to do so, you would have, you know, to have a Breath of the Wild size world with all that content. I mean, I I feel like that would be way too overwhelming for a Metroid game. I agree. And I actually, I agree with you wholeheartedly that like, like Metro games are meant to be replayed extensively. Whereas, whereas Zelda games are kind of meant to, you're meant to take in the whole adventure Maybe play it a few years down the road once you're done. I would, um, you know, like I said, there's going to be some concessions, uh, some things that we're going to have to move on from in Metroid if we're going to do this game. I, well, I, I agree with you in that I would like to keep it shorter and more compact. I, I also, I would make it so that it is like a, a meaty adventure that you're you're really only wanting to play once and then you take a break from it and then in a year or two you can come back and like maybe replay it. And, and to that same note, I would have essentially every single in-game like reward tied to item completion versus time. Mm-hmm. Well, I well, so on your first point, I um I think you can do both. I mean, you know, even you know, even Breath of the Wild, like obviously while you know, obviously this game isn't going to be as meaty as that. I mean, you look at Breath of the Wild and, you know, you can beat that game in like five, 500 yeah, hours or you can, you know, you can speed run. You can go right to the castle and, and do it from there and just speed run it from there after the Great Plateau. So, right. So, yeah, I feel like, yeah, that's yeah, that's a compromise you could easily make. Um, so next on the list here, and, and I'm just talking like kind of just general game mechanics rather than like a, 
you know, a story or anything like that. But I think that your abilities are going to function primarily as means of transportation versus like combat or anything like that, or, or a way to kind of unlock some of the keys that a typical Metroid world might, might have for you. Um, or so what I mean by that is like, for example, like I, I'll just go right into my next exam or next thing that I jotted down. Um, my, my game would have like the space jump and you get it immediately. Like basically it's going to, the space jump in my open world Metroid game would be the equivalent of like the sailcloth from Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom. And what that would do, because I don't think I want Samus like climbing like Link does. I think that's too much, mm-hmm. like a little bit too far gone, but spider balling though. Uh, yeah. I, well, exactly. Like I, I think that, that you could get the space jump. And you could go, let's just say, for example, you you get it and you have almost picture like a stamina wheel, um, but it's maybe let's call it the, the space jump fuel wheel or something like that. Right. And you can upgrade that. Continually. The zonite energy. Hey, there you go. Whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call this thing. Imagine a big wheel that the more you space jump, the the more your wheel depletes. And instead of like, you know how I'm always kind of complaining about like, Man, you you reach that point in a Metroid game and like you don't need another missile, you don't need another energy tank. You could always use more like fuel, basically, right? For your for your space jump. So in my head, I'm kind of picturing like, okay, this space jump, and you could go up or you can go like over. So it could take you vertical or horizontal. But uh, in my head, I I'm picturing the space jump just being like it's a way to either get you up or over, like a like up onto a higher ledge or over across a, a chasm or something like that and you could upgrade that eventually during the game so that you can have more time in the air and more maneuverability and so going back to my original point the items i think are, are more a means of transportation than they are or exploration than maybe they are in a traditional metroid game if that makes sense yeah, I, I think that I think that does make sense, and and honestly, I'm all for it because I think the uh, the movement upgrades are like easily some of my favorites. I mean, you know, you got the screw attack, you got the speed booster, obviously, which you know, I feel like I feel like in an open world, like there's so much oh, opportunity yeah. for like really cool speed booster puzzles there, and just traversal in general. Um, you know what? You know, we were mentioning the spider ball. Obviously, not as speedy, but still, you know, a very cool movement upgrade when used mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and you know, maybe you could even do that Metroid Two spider ball just as finely. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I don't know about that one, but we'll we'll see. Um, so that that would kind of be my my big my big thing right away is like like emphasize the space jump because your space jump is going to be like your your key almost to the to the whole thing. Um, and of course, like you can get this screw attack, maybe that, I think that could still be like your ultimate weapon in the game, like your screw attack. So that way, when you're jumping, you're like completely slicing open everything and you get that power back, but it's still going to be more of a means of, you know, getting to places that you otherwise couldn't get to, which I mean, isn't that far from, from Metroid right now. Um, and, and actually I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on this cause I haven't played Halo Infinite, but obviously I was thinking too, like the grapple beam would be a very, very good, uh, again, means of transportation that could almost function in like a similar way as like Link's hookshot, I feel like. And and by the way, too, so in my in my example here, um, I'm thinking that this is probably going to play similarly to like a Zelda game and that it's third person. You could lock on to an enemy, do your battling there, you know, Batista bomb, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, the grapple beam, I think, would be like a very 
very cool way to like get around and could be really utilized in some fun ways in an open world game. Yeah, so I actually think it could work in either first or third person. I don't really think... I, I think you could do it like Metroid Prime style where he occasionally goes third person for some of the more movement-oriented actions of the Morph Ball. But I, I also think it could work just third person the whole time <clears> either. I don't think... I, I think that would be dependent on the developer and like how, you know, what they want. I, I, will, I will say one thing, though. You know, if um, if this open world style is trying to go for a level of immersion like the Prime games, I think that first person perspective might be critical. But um, but going back to your original question, because I'm I'm starting to go off topic now. Um, yeah, that Halo Infinite grapple beam, and it's really cool because you can actually upgrade, you can actually um, upgrade it throughout the adventure to do more to do more stuff. So first, you know, you have one grapple charge, and it has a very set reset time, but then you can upgrade that to make the reset time even faster and then you can uh, make it electric so that when you uh, grab on the enemies it electrocutes them or it stuns them and etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. and i think you could do that with like the grapple beam as well as the other metroid items as well um it, we, we actually had some talk in the disc in the discord server about this i think someone i think it was minneapolis king they mentioned the um uh the ori series and how they handle kind of like the um the upgrade tree and i um i'm usually not a fan of upgrade trees but i think ori it's simple enough to where you could do something similar in yeah. metroid without without it seeming too um without it seeming too different yeah i mean i i think that you that you could do that and but so my rule with upgrade trees or like like anything like that is like the kiss rule you gotta keep it simple stupid right so like mm. make it easy make it super easy i I would be totally fine with that. And in fact, I would be fine with that in like basically any Metroid game at, at this point, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, so I think that uh, the grapple beam could have a lot of utility in this world, both in terms of like, you know, you can grapple somewhere, you can use it on enemies in combat. Maybe you can like lasso a rock or something like that and then hurl it at an enemy or something. I don't know. But uh, I think that it would be like a very expanded ability, even more so than it's been um, in the past. Um and then the speed booster. So obviously, uh, you touched on it earlier. I think the speed booster would be, again, like a, a critical item in this game. And I would want to get it fairly early, I think. Fairly early. Um, and I think that, again, some people, I don't know if they're going to like to hear this or not. But I think that you'd pretty much have it function as it does in Metroid Other M. Um, yeah. You know, say what you will about Metroid Other M, but I, I think that the speed booster and Shine Spark is like a highlight of that game. And I think that in your open world game, I, I actually like, I think like once you start speed boosting, you more or less can just run in a straight line. Like, I feel like you don't need to be like weaving around like, like Sonic the Hedgehog or whatever. But I feel like as long as you're like running in a straight line, nothing, nothing wrong with that. So I agree to an extent. One thing I will say, and I, I don't necessarily fault Other M for this because it was on the Wii. And, like, even getting the speed booster working in that game isn't always perfect because, I mean, you know, you go through a door and, like, the game will, like, freeze while the next uh, room starts to load. So, I, I don't necessarily fault other end for this, but um, while I do like how it's implemented in that game, one thing I will say is that there aren't a lot of ways to maintain your, your momentum. It's kind of, you, you do your speed boost, it's kind of a one and done, and then once you shine spark, like, that's it. You can't mm -hmm. recover your momentum from that. Like, the 2D games. And especially after Metroid Dread, with, like, all the crazy tech that you can do to, like, keep to keep your boost going. Yeah. I would definitely want to have a way to do that in um, in the 3D games as well. Obviously, you can't have an infinite shine, um, an infinite shine spark just going on nowhere. But, like, stuff where it's, like, if you, you know, you hit a platform right, 
etc. To like keep your boost going. Yeah. I think there's a lot of opportunity for that. And that's something I would definitely want to emphasize uh, from the 2D games to bring over into this open world game as well. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking of some different scenarios for the speed boost. Because, like, you're right. Like, I actually I don't have a problem with infinite speed boosting, but you uh, you can't infinite shine spark. So so I think I, I was going to keep it kind of that other M kind of style where, like, it's, it's kind of like just a bullet shot. Um, and then I was like, well... Like how is that? That kind of is the same purpose as the uh, as the space jump in in this hypothetical game. So I'm kind of thinking like, ear. I would have uh, you know if I'm lead designer and developer at, at Metroid Open World Game uh, headquarters, I'm, I'm kind of having the Shine Spark as more of like a blunt force weapon that kind of breaks away pathways and stuff like that versus like a, a more so a means of transportation. I, I, think I that's definitely. How I do it. I, I think I disagree with that. I definitely I would definitely want some some shine spark puzzles, let's just say. I don't wanna Aha, I well, don't wanna get hold too on. Well hold on. Well I was I was gonna say I don't wanna get too deep into it because uh, I do have some ideas for the Shine Spark, but I wanna okay. save that for when we do like a, a Prime Four episode of like what we wanna see in that game because okay. I feel like it's more I feel like it's more suited for that, but I'll let you go on. I did have an idea for so like obviously there's not gonna be any kind of like shrines in this game right but i think that you can put in somewhat of a metroid equivalent to shrines in this game not not exactly one for one but like imagine that you're in an open world metroid game and you see like a little entrance to uh i I don't know like a a little a little beaker or something like you see a door that's open and uh it's it's a it's a green door so that means you activate your your speed booster green is the color of speed booster okay so you, you go in, and once you enter this door, you have like you kind of get switched to a 2D perspective, and then you can do a little Shine Spark puzzle. At the end of this puzzle, you unlock either more ammo for your space jump, or like missiles, or energy tank, or like something like that. I think if there was like, I don't know, maybe 20 of these in the game, I think that could be like pretty cool. And maybe there are some other ones that are like morph ball puzzles, and maybe there's some other ones that are like combat puzzles, kind of stuff like that. Not And, and puzzles might not be the right word, but, like, little, more so, like, focused little rooms and areas that are, like, almost the equivalent of shrines that you know are going to give you some sort of expansion at the end. Yeah, like like an obstacle course, almost. Uh, yeah, almost, where, like, you know, like I said, some of them can be, like, I, I feel like you want to have some of them, like I said, like, the green ones that you know that you're going to do some, some shine sparking in that one. Um, maybe blue ones, I don't know, you're going to do a morph ball puzzle, whatever. In in my game, in this hypothetical game, like, I actually, I don't see any doors in this game. Like, I think everything's just very open. The only doors you see will take you to these, uh, like, quote-unquote Metroid shrines. You know, (laughs) we could call them Chozo shrines, I don't know. Have a little Chozo guy at the end instead of the Zonai. Um, And I think that that could be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to 2D. I feel like I'd still want... I feel like I'd still want 3D shine, shine Spark puzzles, and I think you could still implement those without having like an infinite like 2D Shine Spark. Like, yeah, like I'll, I'll try to I'll try to keep it vague because again, I don't want to spoil what I want to do with the Shine Spark in Prime Four. But like, you know, you know, maybe instead of you know, maybe you have that same kind of other M style Shine Spark if you if you do it regularly. But if you do a certain type of landing or you hit a certain kind of surface then you're able to, like, revert back into your regular speed boost, or you're able to, like, chain your Shine Spark into something else. That, Again, I'm trying to keep cool. it vague, but, like... I and, and I think, too, like, with, with speed boosting, like, 
I don't think we could ever go back to it, it. It cuts off once you jump. So like you have to figure mm-hmm. out a way to, to make it in this game where like, if you jump, especially cause like, you know, presumably there's not going to be a whole lot of like flat, long running strips. Like you have to find some way to be able to keep it if you jump. So, I mean, smarter people than I can figure out how you do that. But, uh, I, I think that you could do that and it could be pretty cool. So yeah, yeah speed boosting, and, and that's- big part. Yeah, and, and that's like that's why the speed booster is my favorite item. It's you know once you do figure out all the ways to keep your momentum and keep it going, like that's what makes the item so fun. And when you take it away, it's just kind of another glorified <laughs> lock and key. And yeah, yeah, I I don't want it to be limited to just shoulder impacts. Um, so so moving on, um, I wanted to talk about. I already talked about kind of the the Metroid shrine, so I'll just move on to the next item. I, when I was doing this, I was getting pretty excited for all the different ideas and stuff, and I was kind of like, man, th- there's not really a whole lot for, like, the Morph Ball and for bombs and stuff like that. And, and I think that... I think that with bombs in particular, maybe that's something that you can kind of move away from a, a little bit in, in Metroid, where I think that you could still have a lot of opportunities. Like, you know in Tears of the Kingdom, you, you find all the different tunnels and stuff like that? Um, I think, like, I, I think that you could still do that in this open world Metroid game, but instead of, like, those caves and those tunnels in Tears of the Kingdom that are big enough for you to walk in, maybe it's literally, like, a, a Morph Ball tunnel, and there's, like, multiple of those hidden around the world, and, and you could probably still use your Morph Ball in, in other various ways throughout the game, but, um, I, I, I think for bombs, unless, like, I don't know if I would, I, I actually don't have an answer for this, I'm curious for your input, but... I, I don't know, like, I, I think, like, specifically bombing everywhere to find, like, a little weak spot or nook is, is a little bit old hat. I think that, uh, I think that, like, the cross bombs in Metro Dread were such a good item, and they just immediately kind of got rid of any debris in your way. And I wonder, too, if it, you just find the power bombs, like, right away in this in this open-world Metro game to give you a little bit more exploration. That, that was one thing that I'm not... I'm still not entirely sure how it would fit in. And I don't know if I'm overthinking it or not, but I'm, I'm curious about what you think. I, I think you might be overthinking it a little bit. Maybe and maybe it's just my experience, but really the uh, the bombing every surface thing has been more of a symptom of the 2D games. And even then, mm. I feel like that's kind of been alleviated now with like more, more of the modern Metroid design conventions. That To me, that hasn't really been an issue in 3D, especially with the scan visor, which you know is you're able to use to gain the to gain information about the environment, which I assume the scan visor would return in this open world Metroid game. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in a, in a sec. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so I, I, yeah, I, f- I feel like you could easily um, implement the bombs. I mean, you could you could even do it as, in a simple way that Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom do, where the bombable or breakable walls are, like, very obvious, but still are able to blend into the environment. And then, you know, you just drop some bombs there, and, you know, even Tears of the Kingdom in particular, I really like what they've done with some of the caves, where it's not just a wall sometimes. Sometimes it's like an actual tunnel of rocks that you actually have to carve your yeah. way through. And I feel like that could be... I feel like that could be a fun way to like implement power bombs into the mix as well. It could be, yeah, definitely. Uh, actually, funny you say that. I, right before we got on, I snuck in a little Zelda. I'm in like the, the tip of Hebra, like the ice region. And I found like like literally the edge of the map. And I found like this little cave that was uh blocked off by some icicles and i was like i think i can melt those and kind of made a a cool discovery that way so that that would be kind of something that i think like maybe if you in this open world metroid game if you saw something that looked out of place and you went and you kind of like 
you know, bombed it or something like that, and then you discovered a tunnel, then I think that could be pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I, maybe I was overthinking it a little bit. Like, I'm sure that you could still do tunnels and stuff like that. I, I think that I, I would like for Spider-Ball to come back in this game, like the, the Metroid Prime version Absolutely. of Spider-Ball, not the crappy one. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, Here's the thing. You, do, you could easily do the Metroid 2 Spider-Ball, just make it faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, like, also, like, Boost Ball could, could come back. Although, I, I do wonder if that's a bit redundant in this instance. Um, I guess you could put in some devices that use it, like Metroid Prime, and, and you could make it not redundant, but I don't know. I think instead of, I think instead of the Boost Ball, I would just have the Speed Booster and just give um, speed boosting options to the Morph Ball, like in the 2D games. You know what? Done. That sounds, that sounds good to me. Okay, perfect. Um, let's talk about weapons. Because I think that for this game, I would want to slightly change the way that Metroid uses weapons. And and not like completely drastically, but imagine like in, in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, you have your, I don't know, let's just call it 20 weapons or something like that. Now, everybody hates that they break, so obviously we're, we're not going to do that. that. That is not happening in this game. What, you don't want to introduce an ammo system? I thought that was your favorite. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's it's not too far off for what I'm... Actually, no, it is kind of far off. I, I think that, like, you can... So when you're playing Tears of the Kingdom, you can press up, and then you can just scroll and pick your weapon. I would love to bring that over, except what I want to do is I want to press up. Your first option is a charge beam. Your second option is your missiles. Your third option is your whatever beam, uh, wave beam. Your fourth option is your plasma beam. I don't I don't want them to stack in this game because I, I want to have like a little bit more weapon diversity. But but they you know you're finding weapons everywhere you go in Tears of the Kingdom and like I think finding a weapon in Metroid is a big deal and should stay a big deal. So I want to only have like a finite number of weapons. But maybe we could also open it up a little bit and say like maybe Samus finds like a melee weapon. Like why not? That would be kind of cool. Um how would she wield it with like one hand and, and an arm cannon? Uh, I don't exactly know, but I don't know, maybe I feel it could like be... you could like into feel like you could integrate it in like the um the left arm somehow, just have it come out. I mean we could kinda literally like, kind of like, like the Halo. Doom blade, the predator blade. Yeah. We we could literally steal that that knife blade from Halo. Um, and I would be okay with that, but like something like that, right? Like where you can kind of scroll through and you can pick your different weapons and, and, you know, you could pick your, your missiles, super missiles, um, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe there's like a, a different type of missile seeker or something like that. Um, but I think that that could be like modern and, and kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. So I actually, so I agree with you when it comes to beams, I definitely want those separated. I kind of prefer everything else to be stacked, though. Like, I kind of like it when Metroid just, you know, decides to stack the missiles. I like, I kind of like not having to worry about. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're you know, right. yeah. yeah, managing different kind of missile systems. But I do agree with you when it comes to the beams. I absolutely love it when you know the how Prime does it when they all have these unique properties that are that emphasize very um, various tool sets that you can use. Yeah, you're right. I actually I'm surprised at myself for saying that. I've complained about that multiple times on this show before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like yeah, like just maybe I don't know. Maybe we could have like uh, some some different kinds of weapons in in like. You could have uh, like the screw attack again, which which is like your weapon that activates every single time you jump. So that could still be a big deal. You could have your power bombs. You could have maybe some. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe we could do something cool with with the grapple beam. Like get like a 
like a fire addition to it or something like that. So if you lasso an enemy, it's just like burns them alive. I don't know. That Andy, cool. have you been playing Doom Eternal? <laughs> you know what? I still have it on my shelf, sealed. <laughs> Oops. I was gonna, I was gonna say because that was like uh, that was eerily close to some Doom Eternal right there. Well, you know what they say about great minds that they think alike. Uh, so I was actually pretty excited about this next one. So you know, in Tears of the Kingdom. And in Breath of the Wild, you have your your runes and your abilities. So like Ultra Hand, Fuse, uh, the other ones. I think that you could do something similar in Metroid. This open world Metroid game. However, instead of those weird abilities, what you're gonna do is you're gonna you're gonna hold L just like you do in Tears of the Kingdom. And instead of all that stuff popping up, there your Ultra Hand and your Ascend and all that stuff. You have the Scan Visor. You have the X Ray Visor. You have the whatever Visor. And that is how you, that that would almost be the Metroid equivalent to using runes, where like you can, you know, your scan visor would function essentially the same way as as Metroid Prime, but then like your X-ray visor, maybe, I don't know, could see, I mean, I, I guess it would probably function similarly to Metroid Prime as well, but you could go like really crazy and maybe you could borrow some, some stuff from Zelda and you could do like a gravity based visor that you could input commands and your whatever would be changing. I, I don't know, but I think that you could use that to, to alter how you see the open world. And I think that would be pretty cool. And, and obviously it's tried and true. We've done it at Metroid prime. Everybody loves it. I see no reason not to bring it over to this game as well. So, yeah, so I'm not sure how the current selection of visors for the most part would function differently than the prime games. So I would I would imagine them functioning similar. Where I think you could implement this though is with the command visor though. I think there's a yeah, lot of yeah, you could. I think there's a lot of opportunity to do some cool stuff with the command visor in an open world that you couldn't do in a in a traditional Metroid Prime game. That does give it that, that would kind be sick, of actually that does that would be able to give it that kind of you know Breath of the Wild Tears of the Kingdom make your own solution even if that wasn't the intent. The, uh, the intention kind of thing. In my mind, I'm picturing, so you select Command Visor, you look at the world, and much like Ultra Hand in Tears of the Kingdom, anything that's able to be, let's just say, destroyed or moved or whatever with your ship, you can you can see it kind of highlighted, and you could uh, do something cool with that. Um, I, and I mean, I'm sure you'd probably make some new kind of visors for this game as well, maybe different ways that you could interact with the world, but like, Man, like, uh, even just to bring something back that we already know, like, the if, if, if the Echo Visor was back, like, God, that would be so cool. Um, you know, the I think the Thermal Visor is, is always great. Like, I think that's always a, a tried and true, uh, fantastic-looking visor that could come back. So, I think that there's, like, a lot of cool opportunities there. And, and certainly there's more people creative, more creative than me out there that could think of, like, new cool visors. But I, I think that it could be pretty awesome if you if you wanted to do that in open world game one thing i will say i feel like just being able to summon your ship on a whim would be insanely overpowered just for dealing with enemies on the map so that would probably need to be addressed somewhat although also to play devil's advocate it is a metroid game and unlike breath of the wild where you know you have clear open skies for the most part unless you um go down into the dungeon which i i still have not uh, explored the uh, depths which uh so uh, we'll, we'll get to that later but um, but un but unlike unlike Zelda, you know, Metroid—that's where it thrives—is in the depths, isn't is in the stuff right. like that. So maybe so maybe that my my ship conundrum wouldn't even be an issue in an open world Metroid game where it does vastly take place underground or in hallways and corridors, etc. 
No, I, I think that your issue is is something that should probably be addressed, and, and it's probably something as easy as like you've maxed out the power cells in your ship and it needs X amount of time to recharge or something like that. Or, you know how in, in Tears of the Kingdom, actually, this is probably a good example. You have your little batteries that power your Zonai stuff and, like, you could almost take that system and apply it to your ship. Whereas, like, if you wanted your ship to do something cool, um, you know, the more batteries you find, the longer it can do cool stuff or the more enemies it can take out or the heavier object it can move, whatever. Um, but I, I think that that is probably something that you'd want to look at, even if you're going to be spending a decent amount of time kind of in the depths. You know, I was going to blow up this enemy here, but, you know, Adam didn't authorize it. So actually, you know what? We're just going to we're just going to hold back. Um, you know what? Let's let's talk about that. Actually, let's talk about that, because I think that with this open world game, I think that there is like a lot of opportunities to have really cool side quests. And we've never really had side quests in Metro before. And I'm sure some people out there are rolling their eyes, but man, it adds it adds value to the game. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. And I think that it would be a really good way to, first of all, like I, I think that you could get these side quests in like a, a bunch of different ways. So let me give let me give you one scenario. So you you've got Adam in your ear. He's just like Samus. I know you're on this dangerous mission to do X Y Z, but there's a bounty out for this monster and I've located it on this planet and it's in this faraway region. So like, A, you have an, an extra boss battle to do. B, you finally see Samus, the bounty hunter, hunting bounty. And and C, it gives you like more stuff to do in the actual game. Um, second scenario would be, you know, you're, you've got your scan visor on and you're reading a, a pirate log or something like that. And they're mentioning like, you know, we just built this amazing facility that's going to be uh, the the biggest bounty hunter destruction base whatever once it's built your new side quest is like go destroy that thing before it's finished so that this does not come to fruition same thing you could find chozo lore and say like we had a hidden power up in this secret spot maybe it's a riddle and you like i think there's so much opportunity for really cool side quests and that's before we even know anything about the story or the setting or whatever so i would love 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 to see that in metroid that idea is pretty good, actually. I really like it. I'm totally on board, actually. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Metroid games in general already kind of have side quests, if you think about it. Not 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 literally, but like, but you know, Metroid games, you know, as compact as they are, if you think about it, you know, when you're backtracking for items, in a sense, that's kind of that game's equivalent of a side quest. And I think when you open that game up more, I think, yeah, I feel like side quests is like, surprisingly natural addition like when you really think about it and especially you know like you said you know the introduction of like actually seeing samus you know be a bounty hunter you know this you know this thing that apparently she is you know i've never seen it but you know like i yeah i feel like that would be a totally natural addition to the world and i think it could you know be another expanded way on how you know you upgrade your weapons on this upgrade tree we were talking about earlier as well yeah i would Honestly, I would love that in any Metroid game. It doesn't have to be even necessarily a uh, an open world Metroid game, but like, just give us some more cool stuff to do. Like, I, you're you're not wrong. Like, you you do have these like quasi side quests, but I do think and and listen, I'm not talking like we don't need a collect thon side quest, right? Like, we don't need to collect like ten restless crickets in this game. But like, if we had twenty five cool side quests that were challenging and tough, I I think that could be like really really cool. 
I'm thinking less of a side quest and more like a bonus objective. That's kind of what I'm thinking in my uh, yeah, mind yeah. when I think of Metroid, yeah. Like, I, those are all, yeah, they're almost interchangeable to me, but, it, like, yeah, you're right. Like, something simple, like, go destroy this or go hunt this or go find this. Like, that kind of that kind of thing. And if you don't want to do it, you don't have to, but if you, if you do, you're always going to get something for it, which kind of helps us, again, with what I'm going to talk about here in a second, where, you know, a, a big part of our, um, you know, our love for Metroid involves kind of backtracking and always being rewarded stuff like that and i think that this would help kind of ease that transition a little bit yeah and i i think this is another way that you could kind of because like metroid structure even though it's you know fairly non you know non-linear you know at its at its peak you know it's still very much constrained mm-hmm. a lot more than what this open world game would be and i feel like that's people's biggest concern when going open world with metroid is you right. know if we take away all these constraints, is it going to be Metroid anymore? And I think this is actually where you could still keep that kind of Metroid influence. Because th- think about this, for example. Think think about this example. You know, you um you you go off the beaten path to a place that you know the game wasn't intending you to go. It didn't it didn't stop you, but it was like, hey, we're trying to nudge you in this direction. But you went in this direction anyway. And you know, you find you know you find a bonus objective, and you know you destroy it earlier, and you know, it's a lot harder than it would have been had you had these items. But now when you do inevitably have to come back there for story reasons, um, now it changes what the what the progression would be a little bit. And now you're about to plow through that even easier than what it would be like um, if you did the intended developer route. Yeah, and, and I think I think a lot of people have been waiting for us to talk about this that are listening to this. And, and that's kind of like the, the big thing about an open world Metroid game and why it hasn't happened and why some fans don't want it to happen is because like, well, when you're done, do you even have a Metroid game anymore? Or is it a game that is a good game, but doesn't feel like Metroid? And, and to be fair, there's still some people I know that that don't love Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom because it doesn't feel necessarily like Zelda. And and I, and I guess I would say to this, like, you do have to make some concessions if you're going to do an open world Metroid game, and it's not going to feel exactly the same. So, it, it, you know, we can try and try our hardest, but it is going to feel different. And I, and I think that we have to accept that to a certain extent, but I think what can help us out with this is, um, I, I think like you can, like Metroid can evolve a bit to like keep the core pieces of what makes a Metroid game Metroid while moving away from like the rigid Metroidvania formula. And, and I think that we can also kind of tighten up what breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom do. So, so both of those games kind of, they have you start and then they immediately, give you four different objectives like main story objectives that you can do in any order that you want and and that's fun but like i i do feel like sometimes that kind of makes the story suffer and and it like it just doesn't it doesn't guide you as much as maybe um even myself would like and i love those games so i i think for the metroid game what we do we have like one story objective at a time and if you like you said if you want to go to the other place, you can, but you don't have the equipment to make it that far in yet. So I think that we can keep the essence of a Metroidvania uh, in that way. So for example, I'm going to give you an example because I know you've been playing a lot of Tears of the Kingdom. So let's just say that um, you start Tears of the Kingdom and it's just like, okay, you got to go to Zora's Domain. That's your first story objective. Uh, you got to go there. You can go to the Hebra mountain range, which is freezing cold, 
However, you don't have any snow equipment, so you're going to get there and you're going to freeze to death and die because you you don't have anything to keep you warm. Whereas, yeah, Samus stubbed her toe and lost her various suit. <laughs> there you go. Which, by the way, we'd have to think of a cool way to... I don't know if we could... I don't think we want to be switching suits and, and clothes and stuff like that like we do in uh, Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, I, I as much as I like Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, I... I do, and I, and I, I get I get why they have to do it, but like I I wish I didn't have to navigate through so many menus in those games, and I I feel like that would be an absolute pace killer in Metroid because you know yeah. it is more about that speed and precision in a Metroid title. I, I think like I in my in my mind I would be like okay like we we don't ever have to switch our suit like but if you, if you want there is a suit menu with some cosmetic things like yeah. that that you can put on like I agree. Uh, our buddy Griffin was like I want the cape. I want the cape. So like Dude, a lot a lot of people want the cape. Give our man the cape in this game. You know what I mean? like why not? Why not? But so anyways, so I I feel like in this example like you would go first to Zora's domain, finish whatever the main story objective there is, and then you get as a reward for doing that your snow gear. So then you can go to Hebra. And once you do that, then you can get and let's just say that this open world game, Metroid game has like all the classic metroid names so like you have to go to brinstar first and you have to get the very suit and like you can explore a little bit of norfair but like without the very suit you're gonna be a big trouble and you can't explore that much so like i i think that you could still implement that in an open world setting because like even in breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom you go to death mountain you're on fire you go to hebra you're freezing to death you go to the grudo desert both you're freezing and you're on fire <laughs> so like i i think that there is a way that you could still keep that set of lock and locks and keys while having this open world uh, uh, like sandbox basically and, and yes it's not going to be exactly the same but i i think it won't be like completely dissimilar well, I actually think NES Metroid is like a really good template for this, like you were alluding to earlier, and which is yeah. kind of also what Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild did. They, you know, they went back to the NES title and then they kind of did what you know what that would be in the 21st century, while also expanding more mechanics as well. But like, yeah, I feel like that original NES Metroid design, you know, because like, because you know, if you think about it, like. You don't have to do you don't have to do a specific order. You can go you can go to Ridley first. You can do Craig first. Uh, you can uh, stick in Brinstar and you know upgrade yourself first. Or yeah, it's really really the only thing that you're gated off from is Mother Brain. Everything else is kind of free reign. Yeah. But there is a subtle hand that's nudging you to go in a specific direction to make it easier for you. So I, I think I, I think you could do it, and and like it's not going to be exactly you know the the metroid that we that we know and love but i think that you can evolve enough that like it still feels like a metroid game while embracing the the open world as well and and i i guess i'll say this like i think that at this point with metroid um not that it needs to take a chance but like i i think that i just think that it should like when Zelda kind of hit that wall in in the late or early like 2011ish and it was like we need to change like we need to do something a little bit different and there's no denying like when when they made the switch to open world like it completely leveled up the series Mario made the switch to a, a huge open world in Odyssey completely leveled up that um and, and the list kind of goes on and on and so you know I I have to admit uh, and I I I actually haven't listened to that episode yet but um when I got the Metroid Prime Remastered sales numbers, I was a bit disappointed in those. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that they would be stronger than they ended up being. And, you know, we've 
we've done the Metroid Prime rig for a long time. We've done 2D Metroid for a long time. And it's solid, but it's never spectacular. And I'm I'm just wondering, like, like clearly Nintendo does value the series. They, they pour resources into it. So it's not like, we're not talking about like an F-Zero or anything that's just going to get swept aside. Let's, like, why not go big and, and try it and see what we get? Yeah, absolutely. That's I'm, my pitch. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally in agreement there because I think the key. I think the key is like, especially you know, if you have different developers working on Metroid. Right now, we got Mercury Steam and Retro. Um, I don't know if you know Retro would do this open world Metroid game or if another developer would do it. But you know, as long as you have different team members working on these games, because I feel like, because I feel like right now when it comes to Zelda, I feel like that's people's biggest concern is like, regardless of people like you know the more open world Zelda games or not. It's like, yeah, I like these. But I also like, you know, the other 3D Zelda games we got. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm wondering if we're ever going to get those again. And, you know, obviously we don't quite know. I feel like top-down Zelda, we're going to see another one of those some days. But, you know, those other 3D Zeldas, that, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if Nintendo knows what to do with that formula at the moment. Aside from, like, re-releasing old games. Although, even that, they're not <laughs> they're not doing uh, all, everything on that front. Uh, when it comes to Metroid, you know... Obviously, 2D games are going to be their own thing, much like top-down Zelda. And then I think it would, you know, when it comes to this new formula, that's kind of what it comes down to. Is it drastic enough from the Metroid Prime formula to where, you know, it's it, you know, it's another it's another expansion of Metroid, or if it outright replaces what we think of Metroid Prime? And that, you know, um, I feel like in our pitch, I feel like there's enough differences between the two. But, I mean, I don't know, you know, because all of this is theoretical. I agree. I feel like there's enough differences between the two, but I think that you got to pick one and replace it. If if not, depend, hypothetically, right? Like, let's say, let's say this hypothetical game comes out and sells 10 million copies, okay? Well, if, if that's the case, yeah, I don't know if we're doing any more 2D Metroid. I, I don't know if we're doing Metroid Prime Five. Maybe we I, are. I, I think we'd still. I, I think we'd still do 2D Metroid. Absolutely. I we, we would be. It would be Metroid Prime that I would be. That I feel like it would be the replacement of because that's the 3D. That would be the 3D yeah. equivalent of this. 2D. 2D. I feel like is its own is, is its own domain. You know. I mean. You yeah. know. Again, you're still you're still gonna get top down Zelda. I'm, um, you know, Kirby, even though Kirby's gone 3D, you're still going to see 2D Kirby games. Uh, I, I know you're thrilled about that. <laughs> Did you see my face? Uh, <laughs> and listen, I, I, know, I can hear people already just being like, no way, not doing this. Don't take away Metroid Prime. And I, and I get that. I understand that. Um, but I, but I do think like, I, I think it's tough if like you have like, I think you already kind of have this identity crisis in the Metroid series where like each game like you have 2D and then you have Prime and it's it and I think if you add like a third kind of sub series let's just call it into that mm. like it's a bit much you know what I mean like you you got to be really like I, a I feel like you got to be putting out like a lot of different games like like I can think of like Super Mario that puts out like you know the regular Mario platformers 2D Mario's uh all the the kind of spin-offs but like Metroid is no Super Mario so like I I feel like you want to kind of keep it consistent with what your game actually is so like maybe you know maybe metroid prime 4 comes out and it it doesn't blow the roof off and it, and it does let's say two three million copies at, at that point i might be like okay let's let's try open world metroid and and maybe put metroid prime on on the back burner for a little bit um which which sounds blasphemous but maybe that's what needs to happen in order to kind of move the series forward i don't know yeah, if um, 
it, it, it's hard to say really it's it's hard to say just talking about a theoretical game mm-hmm. but yeah that would be it would it would definitely it would definitely be between the open world game and prime 4 in terms of if anything got replaced i i don't think i don't think 2d would be affected at all well i i, I don't know especially I, I I, well, especially I, I i as long as sakamoto is alive cuz sakamoto is always going to be pushing for 2d metroid at least and is always going to be pushing right ner- right now Right. You know, he's happy with Mercury Steam, but like he's always, you know, let's say that something happens with Mercury Steam. He's always going to be pushing for a developer for 2D Metroid regardless. So, yeah. And, and you know what? I, I would also say this. Like, I, I think that everything is like cyclical, right? Like, remember, uh, remember for a long time, there wasn't really a 2D Mario game and then new Super Mario Bros came out and it sold like 30 million copies. So there there was a, an appetite for that. And I think, like, I think you're going to see the same thing in like maybe five, 10 years. Like there's going to be a traditional 3d zelda that's not this ginormous open world game that comes out and it's just like it's a really polished skyward sword like zelda game and i think that enough time will have passed where people are like man i miss this like uh, this is you know just what the doctor ordered um Mm -hmm. so i you know i would say to like if if open world metroid came out and maybe you know maybe for 15 years that was kind of what they did with metroid after that maybe metroid prime comes back or maybe 2d metroid comes or whatever it happens to be comes back and and does make a comeback so like i i do think that even if the the, the other style was shelved for a little bit you're you're probably not talking you know it's gone forever and in fact open world i i think as like a, a genre of games is probably probably not going to stick around for the long haul. I, I don't think like maybe another five years or so, and then they're just going to get too big and too expensive to make. So I think you are going to see kind of that smaller scale adventure come back. I don't know. That's my theory, but I could be wrong, but take that for what you mm, want. I, I, th- I think we got to deal with open world a bit longer than that. It's just, it's, I mean, you know, obviously like, yeah, you have like a bunch of failed Ubisoft projects, you know, like the ghost recons and whatnot that like, that like haven't done a lot, but like, you know, just still like a ton of like very bloated, you know, in terms of budget open world games that are successful at the same time. And, you know, for a lot of for a lot of gamers, you know, that is a selling point. You know, it's not personally a selling point for me. It's more it's more so just a feature that just works or doesn't work for a game. But for a lot of gamers, that is a selling point. So I feel like that trend um, that trend is going to continue. And, you know, going to your point, you know, maybe maybe that is the boost that Metroid needs. Maybe that is. You know what? Fine. You know, maybe that is finally the bridge that finally sells people on Metroid. It's like, oh, it's open world. It's a quote unquote real game now. Hey, once you uh, once you got them, you know, once you sunk the the talons into these fans with Metroid, why not bring back 2D Metroid? Why not bring back Metroid Prime and, and kind of you know introduce them to what the series was built on? So that's uh, yeah, that's that's my pitch for an open world Metroid game. I. Uh, I, I acknowledge that it could be maybe divisive and, and I, I know there probably would be some fans that are skeptical of, of some of the changes, um, but I, I do think that it could work and I think it could be really good. And, and if we know anything about Nintendo, they rarely, you know, like they rarely miss and their open world games particularly have been phenomenal. Like you look at Zelda, you look at Mario, you look at Xenoblade, all of them are phenomenal. So I, I would have a very hard time seeing this game if it ever came out being bad either which always helps so there we go um okay we ran a little bit uh long in our discussion i was hoping that we could circle back and talk a little bit of zelda so i guess just uh really really quickly doom where um in your playthrough so far 
if you had to judge, I'm going to put you on the spot. Better than, worse than, or different enough where you can't judge than Breath of the Wild. Uh, I, I'd say right now it's about it's about on Breath of the Wild tier. I haven't I haven't explored too much yet. I feel like once I start exploring the depths, because I I feel like that's going to be a very different uh, take. Yeah. Which it's, uh, I'm it's uh, awesome. low. I'm I am low key dreading going to the depths. Like it, everything about. Uh, those gloom spots just look super intimidating, and I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be even more of those gloom hands just absolutely trying to swarm me, take my hearts away. Uh, there's probably going to be stuff even worse than that. I'm sh- I'm sure, you know, yep. for all I know. Yeah. Um, I, I I will say um uh, the constructs were a lot easier than I thought. They looked super intimidating, actually pr- fairly easy to take out. I was overthinking it but those are those are actually really fun fights so i like how you have are, to are you talking like the deal. big flux constructs or like yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 those are cool yeah yeah the the roblox guys yeah yeah they... <laughs> i like how you have to use the ultra <laughs> hand to like take out their weak point i thought that was a really creative uh boss fight or mini boss fight. i don't know honestly the the fact that this game exists is like mind-boggling because like you can pick up almost anything in the game. You can glue it together with almost anything else in the game. You can ascend through any single ceiling in the game. You can fuse a weapon with anything. Like it's it's crazy how much it exists or how much like stuff is in this game that then that it exists. I almost I don't feel. Really... Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say I I don't really like the fusion mechanics. I feel like I could have done without that. You know what? I feel like I, I was the exact same way to start. But 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 you're gonna reach a point. You might have already reached it, where you're just like, why do all of my weapons absolutely suck? And then you're going to be like, it's because the game wants me to fuse with with stuff. And that unlocked for me the importance of fusion. But I was I was totally with you. I think I think I would just rather have like stumble upon like a really powerful buffed weapon though, rather than having to wow. like, rather than having to like experiment with them. Because like you, because like you already do that with the cooking anyways. And so the having having it with the fusion too just kind of feels redundant to me, I guess. Yeah. But like otherwise, oh, okay. but but like otherwise, I'm really enjoying the new mechanics. I actually that um the the one ability you mentioned where you go through the roofs. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on that. That is a really cool ability that I've been able to do some really cool unintended uh, sequence breaks, yeah. for lack of a better word, with. But like like everyone obviously is talking about Ultra Hand and for good reason. Like because Ultra Hand, like the possibilities are literally endless. But like that that ceiling ability, and it looks so cool. I love I I love the um the animation of that. How it looks like Link is like literally swimming through a physical object. Like it's yeah. so cool. I uh, the first week of the Zelda cast that we did our initial tears of the, of the Kingdom impressions, I actually said I was like I have to make a public apology to Ascend because I thought it looked kind of lame in in the trailers, but I was like it this thing is awesome. It's super mm-hmm. fun. Um. Okay, well, uh, I'll tell you what. We'll we'll definitely talk some more Tears of the Kingdom in in the future. Maybe uh, maybe you got a Zelda cast appearance sometime in your future. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that uh, that's gonna do it for us. I uh, I would play this open world Metroid game. I think I would. I think we built a, a decent game, as we Absolutely. usually do on these shows. Mm-hmm. Now it's yeah, just hey, up to- maybe <laughs> you know what? Maybe this open world Metroid game is the other M reboot. I mean, if anything, it's the closest thing to, which I, I think scares a lot of people away as well. So maybe we shouldn't <laughs> say that, actually. But uh, I don't know. Nintendo, what, if you're what, listening. Watch watch the episode first where Andy pitches his other M reboot. It's like yes. actually unironically pretty good. That's one of my favorite episodes of this podcast, actually. Uh, so we, were, we were talking about that the other day. I was pretty proud of that episode. Um, so yeah, you should check that out. 
Uh, but yeah, we are going to uh, to get out of here. Thank you for uh, for listening this week. And if you're playing Zelda, hope you're having an awesome time. If you're replaying Metroid Dread or Metroid Prime Remastered, I know you're having an awesome time. So there you go. I've been doing both. So <laughs> I saw I saw a little boss rush. Little uh... yeah, dude, boss rush is so much fun. I wish I wish Dread got more updates, man. I because I, man, I I love what we got. Dread mode is so much fun. The boss rush is. I, you know, I was saying, you know, saying in my in my tweet, you know, this boss rush mode is like more fun than like most full games that I've played, and it's like, man, I there's so much more you could have done with Dread, but maybe Mercury Steam will do that in the in their next release, hopefully. Uh, maybe they'll so. just give us a sequel like in a decent amount of time. We are we're gonna be <laughs> yeah, two maybe years it won't out take in October. Twenty years this time. <laughs> hey, here's hoping. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, make sure that you check us out over on Twitter. I am at Spateri316. Doom is at Doomal Cross, and we are at Omega Metro Pod. Check out OmegaMetro.com for all of your Metro needs. Guides, maps, news, editorials, thought pieces. You name it, you got it. Uh, you can check it out over on OmegaMetro.com. You can get our theme song there as well. Plus, you can check out our Patreon page, which actually is going to be... You know, actually, I'll save that announcement for a little bit later, but it's, there's going to be some stuff going on there. Um, and of course, wherever you get your podcast, like, subscribe, recommend us to that Metro fan in your life. That, my friends, is going to do it for us. But until next week, take care, everybody.